Craft Beer Radio, episode 15, September 29th, 2005. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show for craft beer and the craft brewing industry. I'm Greg Weiss. And I'm Jeff Bear. This week we do a show dedicated to that beer made out of that fine summer gourd that we all enjoy this time of year, the Pumpkin Ale. Lovely intro, Greg. Thank you. We would like to thank PageMotion Web Services for sponsoring this episode of Craft Beer Radio. PageMotion has been a fast and reliable web host for Craft Beer Radio and several other websites that I maintain. Hosting packages start at $19.95 a month. If you have unique requirements, PageMotion will work with you to develop a package that meets your needs. People who use the coupon code BEER will get a 10% discount on all services purchased. And you can find out more at www.pagemotion.com or visit the link in the show notes. Thank you, PageMotion. On to a little bit of business. Uh, we had an interesting thing in our traffic this week. Our, our traffic jumped significantly on Wednesday the 21st. And it went for seven days. And two day, yesterday, it dropped off again. So if one of you know why, if you're a new listener, because someone told you to come to our site, we'd love to know who. So we can thank them and maybe give that their show a little promotion, too. And if you're a new listener, you probably don't, might not know it. So email us at beer at craftbeerradio.com and let us know who plugged us. The media kit for uh, prospective sponsors, and if you just want to take a look at it, is available on our website. You can take a look at it, look at the demographics that listen to the show. It's interesting stuff in there. Yeah, we had several people ask us if we were going to release the demographics when they took the survey. And sure, it's in the media kit, so take yep. a look at that. There are several ways you can leave us feedback. You can post a comment on our website, craftbeerradio.com. Vote for us on Podcast Alley, of course, and leave us a comment there. Oh, and call our new comment line. We haven't got a call yet, so definitely if, if our, give us a call on our new comment line, 206-202-BEER. And you can send us an email or an audio comment at beer at craftbeerradio.com. Thanks for everyone who voted for us this week on Podcast Alley. We got up to 51. 51. That's One away from high. the front page. Yeah. We dropped down a little bit since then? We're at 53 right now, I think. Oh, okay. Well, still, thanks so much, everybody. That's great. And on to some email. Got an email from Rick. He wanted to know if we had checked out the book Brewmaster's Table from Garrett Oliver. So it's great read, very informative, and great for anyone who enjoys beer. Well, I don't think I've read it. I haven't looked at it either. Garrett Oliver is the brewmaster for Brooklyn Brewing Company. Oh, well, and, he's a, he does a great job. And he, he knows his beer history, beers. his beer culture, pairing beer with food. And that's what this book is about, oh. pairing beer with food. Wow, that, that really does sound interesting because there is so much you can do with pairing beer with food. And really, we've mentioned this before, It's it's we want to try as much as we can, as much as all of you can to try to convince restaurants to give a better selection of beer than just the standard macro beers. Especially the ones that have a large wine cellar right. and pride themselves on having these spirits to go with their dinner and you want a nice beer. And the best thing I can give you is Sam Adams if you're lucky. Right. Or Guinness. So if you convince these restaurant owners that beer is even better than wine, some of us believe for matching with food if you can somehow convince them i don't know how but just keep asking that's one way to do it order a good beer that you know they don't have and when the waiter says we don't have that ask them why you know <laughs> something along those lines you could be yes pester your waiters as much as possible. There, there's different degrees of snobbiness i guess you can <laughs> take to 
try to get these restaurants that good beer. But if you don't ask for it, they're not going to know that it's they're true. losing out on business. Mike sent us an email. In part two of the Trappist Show, we mentioned that none of the beers should be gulped, but rather sipped. And I don't think I said shouldn't be gulped. I think they shouldn't be chugged. Right. But we did say that most of those beers should have been sipped. And he wanted to say when he was drinking Orval, he was taking small sips, and he wasn't impressed with the beer. To him, it didn't seem to have much flavor. When he was finishing off the beer, he took a decent gulp, and that's when the flavor, like, punched him in the face. And interesting. I... I don't know if I had that same reaction when I was drinking Orval. It was three weeks ago already. And he also said when he was drinking the Orval, his tasted better with the, the yeast sediment mixed in. Remember, for us, that muted the flavors well, he, of the Orval. He said it was, he didn't get sourness until, until oh. it was mixed in, oh, okay. right? And, um, for us, it muted the sourness. Yeah, it muted the sourness, and it was interesting. But that may have been the bottle itself. It's hard to say because we didn't really get an, a good idea of whether... Your vol is supposed to be that sour or not. Right. You need to try it again. Yeah. Twist our arms. But it was good. It was great sour, so Yeah, that's what I mean. We really enjoyed it, but we don't know if it's supposed if that's par for the course or not. It'll like drinking sour milk and thinking, man, this is great, and then drinking regular milk. Who knows? Last week Jamie wrote in and told us about the Tupper's Hop Pocket IPA. And I said that was a nice British IPA. Well, I stand correct. He wrote in and let us know that the Tupper's Hop Pocket IPA is an American pale ale with uh-huh. American hops. My mistake. It's definitely categorized as an American pale ale on the beer sites. Just my stupid, stupid memory made me think it was a British one. You and your memory, Jeff. I'm sorry. A Corey different from the normal Corey who always writes in wrote in. He listened to a little of episode 14, and we pronounced Adena, Minnesota. Or, we pronounced it Adena, Minnesota, and it is... Edina. Edina, right. Well, we're sorry, but uh, we're that's pronunciation gate number one for this week. The uh, last email, well, second to last email we have here, Eric in Minneapolis wrote in. He's catching up on our shows too, I believe, and he wrote a couple more starter beers, getting people introduced okay. into craft beer. He thought the Pyramid Apricot Ale was a very good one. He says it's enough fruit to distract someone who doesn't like beer. It's not sickeningly sweet like other beers. Apricot ales are interesting because I've had a couple of them, and none of them, none of the ones that feature apricot have taste, tasted to me as good as the beers that just happen to have an apricot taste in them. Like, what was that one we, we tried last week? The, uh, last it, it was week. during the extras, I think, we tried something and it had an apricot flavor. Oh, that was the uh, Yards American right. Pale Ale, that right. apricot. That, that was two weeks ago or something like that. Well, there is the Dogfish at Apra Hop. Right, and I didn't really like that very oh, much. See, I think that's a very good fruit beer. I really like that one. I, I felt the, the, the Apra Hop, Apra Hop, I felt it was just kind of, uh, didn't really impress me that much. And I feel that the beers that kind of bring out that, that those flavors with the yeast as opposed to with the actual fruit, the yeast and the hops do a better job. The other beer he suggested is Summit Oatmeal Stout. A good one for people who... Are scared they don't like dark beers. He suggests that it'll be a good stout that get people to realize, hey, stouts aren't that bad. They're plenty of flavor and not too overpowering. Well, that's good. Some oatmeal stout. I haven't heard of that one, but uh, I'd love to give it a shot sometime. Okay, now we don't Well, there's have... one more pronunciation gate. We just got an email right before showtime from Al. Okay. And he pointed out that we were saying Westphalatron wrong. Well... We, were, we say Westphalatron. It's West... He prefers to pronounce it Westphaletron. 
Yeah, that I, that's one of those maybe kind of nitpicky ones, I don't know. Oh, I think it might be a regional thing. Yeah. Because without me stopping to think about it, those are almost the same thing. Or they are the same thing from this from Pittsburgh. <laughs> uh, just the difference between West Philatron and West Philatron is... Uh, I mean, it, it, it's close enough that I think that we, we can be given a little bit of a slide on that one. However, he was correct in that we did pronounce the St. Barnabas as St. Barnabas. And that was that's my fault entirely for just reading it wrong. I believe I said Barnabas or something along those lines, so I was wrong too. Oh, well. Now, we don't really have a... Um, what beer am I this week? So we won't do the funny sound or the annoying sound, whichever way you look at it. But we do have winners from last show. Remember last week, we had a pretty obscure clue, the one Definitely. about the Lumberjacks and Christmas. Got three people who got it right. Corey, Alexander, and Benjamin. Uh, Alexander is from Montreal, so he had the easiest time yeah. getting it because the beer is Maudit from Unibrew, and they're a brewery out of Quebec. The name of the beer is from an old French-Canadian legend where the okay. Lumberjacks were out. They wanted to get home for a either it was either a Christmas party or a New Year's Eve party. I seen both both in the legend in the stories and they were too far away. So they sold their souls to the devil to get the flying canoe so they could get back to their families and drink. It's a quite a hefty price for a flying canoe. And then they had to fly the canoe back to get to work in the morning, but the story I was reading was they crashed the canoe and didn't make it back or the legend is the legend of... Oh, that Shash. devil and his deals. Actually, they, they got to keep their souls because of some loophole or something. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm not sure. If you want to check it Fantastic. out... The, there's a link on our website, The Legend of Shas Galerie, which translates to The Bewitched Canoe. So what you're saying is that the devil's contracts are full of holes. Could be. Hmm, this gives me ideas. <laughs> a little bit about the beer. It was the first strong beer to be distributed in Quebec grocery stores, 8% alcohol. First beer brewed in first beer brewed in the Americas that improves with age, they that's, claim. That's kind of a weird claim to make. Yeah. When served young, it's very... <laughs> that's a really weird claim to make. Jeez. Yeah. That's why I had to stop and reread it. When served young, <laughs> it's very smooth. But when served after several years of storage, its flavor is reminiscent of port. Muddied is a mahogany-colored, rich-tasting premium beer that has a distinctive complex taste. That is a whole bunch of marketing speak in one sentence. Yeah, I thought it was a little bit of description <laughs> about the beer that, to enhance the What Beer Am I segment, mm. but it did turn into marketing speak, It certainly it? did. Well, on to more marketing stuff with news. And our first news is about uh, one of our favorite companies, Anheuser-Busch. They are going to be making craft beer. Yay, I guess. Cross no. your fingers. Now, everyone, <laughs> no, if you've been on the beer websites this week, the, the threads are going crazy yeah. about this. I mean, there's like 200 replies on the thread on the one website. I mean, you could, this, could go one, this could go one of two ways. One, it could hurt craft, the craft beer industry by taking spaces where normally craft beers would appear. Or this could help by enhancing people's taste of other types of beer and bring them around other craft beers. I could see it as helping. Now, they're going to fight tooth and limb to get people to like these craft beers and keep them drinking only their craft beers. But I think that's a losing battle because once you get someone to like a craft beer, they they're apparently going to want to find all the craft beer they can. So I think it might backfire, but you're going to see some kind of strategic marketing where they're the premium craft beer and the other craft beers are crappy. Or well, you know how people do tend to pick one of these 
if they're just into one of these beers, they tend to pick one and stick with it. They don't try other ones. Well, that's the the macro mentality. Right. But when you get people drinking the craft beers, I think it's a, you know it's that moment of enlightenment where they're going to see all the options, and most people are going to want to try them if that's the kind of beer they like. You would think one one would hope. I mean, these are interesting beers that they want to make, and we'll see how they. We'll probably taste them at some point just for the hell of it. Uh, although we're not not really craft beers, they're putting their craft beers under their Michelob label because Michelob means quality. <laughs> like the Ultra, right? Some of the beers that they're going to be putting out. This Brewmaster's Private Reserve sounds interesting. 10% alcohol, 46-ounce magnum bottle with a swing top enclo- uh, enclosure, The uh, which is, I think, what the... more what the uh, Favorite part about this? Right? Now, this might be an okay beer. It, it's a lager, so it's going to be like a Doppelbach or something, I would assume. Right. Something similar, maybe a little less character. But... The marketing speak people got into this press release about craft beer. During the holidays, they collect the purest liquid from the top of the brewing kettles. <laughs> what? During the holidays, they collect the purest from, liquid from the, from the top of the brewing kettles. Oh, good, because the bottom stuff is, is where all the nasty stuff is. <laughs> on the thread, Garrett Oliver himself wrote in, uh-huh. <laughs> ripping on that line. <laughs> it was pretty funny when you see you know world-renowned brewmaster like that. Saying, what? <laughs> From the top. You would think that if, what do you do if it, it wasn't, you know, it's boiling. So yeah. you got all kinds of convection, so it's all mixed. But even if you let it settle, where's the good stuff going to sink to? The bottom. Sugar's heavier. So if you let it settle out, the bottom will be more dense. Wow. The next news story that I put, oh, I just well. thought was interesting. A small brewery in near Akron, Ohio, called Thirsty Dog. They're closing because of the ban on smoking they had. The it was an uneven ban on smoking. It wasn't all restaurants. It was only places that had less than or more than fifty percent of their fifty five percent of 50, their annual gross sales from alcohol. Right. So the bowling alleys and the dive bars could still smoke. Right. This place, which had probably slightly more than fifty five percent food, had to go non smoking, and it used to be a pretty big cigar bar. Oh. I, I myself. I'm a non-smoker, and so I, I really like bars that aren't smoky. I also have a kind of libertarian point of view, and I don't know how the government... I feel about the government banning smoking in bars is, even though I would enjoy it personally. Right. But I definitely don't agree with a non-complete ban. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to ban it, ban it. Like in New York, I think they banned it all the right. way. And it didn't hurt the restaurants bad, because everyone you had it across it anywhere, the board. Right. right. Beer t-shirts not for boys. Back-to-school sales push did not turn out to be happy hour for J.C. Penney's. The company's sales circular had the T-shirts for Guinness and Budweiser and Miller as a back-to-school special item. Nice. Oops. That is classic. Well, maybe they were talking about graduate students. One could hope. <laughs> I doubt it. The J.C. Penney messed up. The watchdogs are angry. The beer companies are distancing themselves. And kids with beer shirts are more likely to drink than kids without beer shirts. Are you? Sh- I mean, is that substantiated? They had some doctor from some <laughs> anti-alcohol place, I'm right. sure, yeah. tell you that. that I, I would, if you did the pure numbers, they probably are more likely to, to drive drinks. But whether they're going to be teenage alcoholics, that's a stat they don't, don't want. Know. You know, it, and, you know, it seems like one of those things that people just sort of pull out of their ass and just say because it sounds good. It sounds like you say it sounds. If you think about it, it sounds like common sense, but I don't think there are actual numbers to to state whether that's right. true or not. I don't know whether they just study whether people who wear beer shirts are more likely to drink than not. 
Well, there was a source. I just didn't put it in here. Oh. Told you it was some doctor from somewhere. Uh, some doctor from somewhere. See, I, I don't never really trust some doctor. Well, he had a name. I just didn't write it down. <laughs> It'll be linked on the show notes. Beer commemorates Ben Franklin's 300th birthday. Wincoop Brewery in Denver, the week before the Great American Beer Festival, which just happens to start tonight, they're having a little competition to choose a beer to commemorate Ben Franklin's 300th birthday. If you don't remember, Ben Franklin is quite famous for the quote, God gave us beer because he wants us to be happy. I thought the quote was something different, but uh, like, beer proves God wants us to be happy. I've heard it that way, too. This was the quote in this article. Yeah. Last news article that we're going to go over is Alaska Airlines is going to offer Alaskan brewing beers on their flights. Really? Yeah. Wow. They're getting rid of some of the macros, and they're going to have Alaskan Amber and one other Alaskan beer, which the article didn't mention, unfortunately. Not smoked porter, because <laughs> probably not. that's all I drink. <laughs> yep. Alaska flies from the West Coast up to Alaska and between the cities in Alaska. Okay, that's news for this week. Now, I guess we'll go right into macro muck. We've only done a few macro mucks because the big breweries have actually been behaving themselves lately. Right. Or at least been hiding their idiocy from me. Well, we had we found an interesting press release on the wire, and this uh, this stroked our funny bones. Convenience store magazine lists specially designed Coors Light plastic bottle cooler box as best innovation of the year. Now, first of all, there's a convenience store news magazine. <laughs> Woo! Yay! Can you and, imagine being the editor of that one and telling that to friends? Well, cooler box by itself isn't why this is on macro muck. It can be a good idea. It's kind of neat. Cardboard boxes could fall apart. The reason this is a macro muck, a couple excerpts from this press release. The vice president of marketing for Coors Brewing Company says, this award demonstrates Coors' commitment not only to innovation, but to delivering cold refreshment to the consumers. So their two main priorities are innovation and delivering cold refreshment. Delivering cold refreshment. And, And like I was saying before the show started, they want to keep their beer as cold as possible so you don't taste that nasty corn vegetable. Okay, we're not done. There's one more thing. It's okay. even better. Coors Light plastic bottle cooler box, which began shipping May 1st, is specially designed 18-pack that converts into a cooler and allows beer lovers to enjoy Rocky Mountain cold refreshment of Coors Light. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Buy me seven of them because I need to enjoy the Rocky Mountain cold refreshment of Coors Light. Now, only Coors Light, mind you. Nothing else. You can't enjoy the cool refreshment of Dogfish Head 60-Minute Pale Ale. Oh, absolutely not. It has to be the cold refreshment of The cooler box would self-destruct if you put something else in it. You wouldn't want that, would we? So that's Macromuck for this week. And uh, on to the pumpkin ale. The featured beer style of the week. Pumpkin ales. Pumpkin ale, you might think, is a, a recent invention. But it, it goes back to uh, colonial times. Hmm. Brewers may be making beer. They wouldn't necessarily have all the ingredients they would need all the time. You, know, right. you just can't go to the homebrew store and pick up you know, all the barley. Colored hops or something like that. So when the pumpkins were around, one of the ingredients you could use for brewing. So a lot of the pumpkin ales go way, way back. And one of the ones we're going to be drinking tonight, the Post Road from Brooklyn Brewing, is a traditional pumpkin ale recipe. Hmm. They typically are 4 to 7% alcohol by volume, should be served at 45 to 50 degrees Fahrenheit. We're using normal pint glasses tonight. The food that they say it goes with is curried food, or as 
to go with your dessert. Now, when you drink these, you tend to think of uh, pumpkin pie because they tend to be put a lot of these pumpkin pie spices in them. Yeah, pumpkin pie it might as well go good with some kind of like cinnamon ice cream or something yeah. too. It, these are typically fresh beers, not intended for cellaring. Right. So you would want to drink them, and not put them away for a couple of years. And what does the BJCP say about this type of beer? It falls under the spice, herb, or vegetable beer section. Okay. So all of these guidelines here, mm-hmm. we're going to start linking all the BJCP guides to each show. Unfortunately, this is not the best show to start with because <laughs> it's just a general guide of right. it can have these, you know, it's like it may vary, right, might right. be spicy, it might be herby, it might be vegetable You know, there's no vital statistics, the OG, the final gravity, the IBUs, they're all blank. So it's a very bad week to start linking the BJCP, but, but we're going to put anyway. it up there. Yeah. And now we will pause for, well, no time for you, but five minutes or so for us to get these beers up to temperature, which should be about 45 to 50 degrees. All right, the first beer we're doing tonight is Saranac Pumpkin Ale. From the Matt Brewing Company? It's either the Matt or the FX Matt Brewing Company. I've okay. seen it both ways. In Utica, New York? Uh, website is www.saranac.com, S-A-R-A-N-A-C. Brewery started in 1888 with an annual production of 270,000 barrels. And uh, this is interesting because we also have, doing slightly after this, we're going to try the Brooklyn Post Road, which we think might actually be contract brewed by this same company, the FX Matt Brewing Company. It pours a copper color it's darker than the buffalo bills that we did in the pre-show right this guy doesn't have the well it does have sort of the creamy creamy head but it's not quite as much of a head as the buffalo bills too more of a well there's, there's still some spice like any also a hop smell in there with a little bit of uh, yeah, it certainly has a hoppier smell than than the buffalo bills which was pure spice right a little bit of pumpkin too a bit. Um, but pumpkin is, is not quite is, is not a um, heavy smell, so it tends to get lost in other smells. You can sort of taste, you sort of smell a, a mild kind of squash fruitiness, which is what pumpkin is. The flavor is a fair amount of spice, a little bit of pumpkin. Has yeah, a medium mouthfeel. The the maltiness is coming through after I let it sit a bit. It has a, a fair amount of maltiness. I hate to keep comparing it to the beer we did in the pre-show, but it has a much fuller mouthfeel yeah. than the Buffalo Bills does. The spices are not nearly as overpowering or, or as prevalent, really. This is a much more balanced beer. Yeah. You're getting some bitterness in the back of your tongue, and most of it is coming in the front and sides. You're getting that sort of a wet, uh, malty feeling in the back of your tongue, and on the front side you get sort of hoppiness. After you take a sip... Right in the middle of your tongue. It feels like there's a coating of cinnamon that just sits down on your tongue. Yeah, there's something there. I don't know whether it's cinnamon or, or, or hoppy bitterness, but it does stay in there. I'm just definitely tasting cinnamon. That last sip, it just felt like just like some cinnamon just like fell flat on my tongue. Hmm. I can taste, I think, allspice in there and uh, maybe a bit of clove, too. Yeah, I'm getting clove at the end. Okay. Check me in the back. It, it, it has caught me off guard when I first tasted it because I was expecting something like the Buffalo Bills, and it's not like that at all. But it, it's, it's evolving pretty nicely, I think. Yeah, I, I think this is a much more balanced beer. The mm-hmm. Buffalo Bills, which we keep talking about, couldn't do five beers in the main show, so we did one in the pre-show. It was 
very unbalanced to the spiciness. Yes. The, the spices that were in the beer had a light mouthfeel. Didn't have enough malt to balance out the beer, it seemed. So that's what we're comparing this to. This one is much more balanced. It has a nice balance of the spices and the malt. Mm-hmm. The The spices are kind of subdued a little bit. I don't want to say lost by lost in the malt, but they are diminished by the malt, and it, it helps the balance of the beer. Right. Out. There's definitely bitterness in there. I don't really taste a lot of pumpkin, though. Taste more spices and malt with a bit of hoppiness. The pumpkin is kind of getting lost. Yeah, it, it's kind of hard to pick out the pumpkin, but you got the, the pumpkin accompanying spices. You mm. always have a pumpkin pie. Yeah. So you kind of get the same flavor there. Well, actually, that flavor, I just got some pumpkin. So. Okay. Sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. Changes, it's, it's a crapshoot. Changes by sip. I would think this would go good with, uh, like, cinnamon ice cream. I just think I'd like to enjoy this with that, I think. With the maltiness, it, yeah. it, the thickness, it wouldn't be too... Although, I, I tend to kind of get worried about mixing things that taste too similar. Like, I don't know if I would try any of these pumpkin beers with a pumpkin pie. It might mm-hmm. just be too overwhelming. Whereas you yeah. might want to try something, maybe like a vanilla. Maybe just vanilla ice cream. Vanilla ice cream, yeah, exactly. Because the vanilla has, a good vanilla has plenty of good taste to it too, but also the spices would just help sort of accentuate all those other tastes. Yeah, you're right. I think vanilla would probably work out better. And let this give you the cinnamon mm-hmm. in the in the mixture. Right. Then having the ice cream feed you the cinnamon. It's a good idea. Yeah, I was a little overzealous in my recommendation. <laughs> I've uh, overall, we've only done two of five beers, but I am impressed. The last time I've had a pumpkin beer, I did not like it at all. Right. I poured it out. And you know what? I think some of it is too, and we haven't really talked about this, but I was thinking about this. How, even when we did the Oktoberfest, when you drink a bunch of beers in the same style, your tongue is, is favored towards them. So if you drink a bunch of IPAs and then drink an Oktoberfest, you're not going to like it nearly as much because you. Yeah, it's a very good point. Trying to get so some we're other we're flavors. tuned for these beers, so we're going to like drinking them in this flight better than at the bar right. mixing up beers. You know, we're going to drink Hercules IPA, then the the Rogue Hazelnut, right. and then jump to one of these, and it, it, it's not going to be the same at all. It's just not it's not going to appeal because of the spices and that kind of flavoring. Like I had, um, I was at the Steelers game, and I was I was trying, I was drinking, I think Sam Adams. Because that was all they had. And they also, they had Spotten on tap. I was like, hmm, awesome, I'm going to get a spot. And It was just, it was too malty for the occasion. Okay. So it was one of, that's what sort of led me to think that if you're drinking all these beers at the same time, you tend to have a better idea, a better, you're more attuned to them than if you were just throwing them in with a bunch of other beers. Well, I mentioned that they do contract brewing for Brooklyn. Uh, they also do contract brewing for Dock Street Brewing, which is a brew pub in Philadelphia. Mass Bay Brewing, which is a microbrewery in Boston. New Amsterdam Brewing in New York. And you want to give this one a shot? Old Heerich in Washington, D.C. H-E-U-R-I-C-H. Please tell us how to pronounce that. (laughs) (laughs) This is Post Road Pumpkin Ale from Brooklyn Brewery. However, we think it may be... Well, let's explain why. Yeah. Looking, researching this beer on the internet, it says it's a Brooklyn Brewery beer. On the label, it says it's from Post Road Brewing in Utica, New York. On the last fee sheet we just told you, Saranac from FX Matt is in Utica, New York, and they contract brew for Brooklyn. So that's why we assume that it's contract brewed by FX Matt. We'll see. This is a 5% beer. Uh, the hops are Willamette and Fuggles. 
Uh, Churro American malt, Canadian and Belgian malts. Brewed, they say, by the Brooklyn Brewery in Brooklyn, New York, although, like we say, it says Utica on the bottle. Uh, brewery started, Brooklyn started in 1988 with an annual production of 35,100 barrels. It's that weird one. Oh, also on the Brooklyn website, they claim this is one of their beers. Yeah. So, yeah, you, they do two beers under the post road name. This one, I forget the other style. Now, it's probably not the same because the color is certainly lighter. The head is a little bit different. It, the head is a, not quite as creamy and sort of more my, small bubbles. Mine poured a lot creamier, you see. So, I got a nice creamy head on this one. You get a lot more of nutmeg, is that? Yeah, nutmeg. We're reading up on this beer. This beer was a traditional a recipe taken from the colonial times. So this beer was meant to be brewed to be a, a throwback and not a new uh, pumpkin beer style, right. kind of like the next one we're going to be drinking. Yeah, so there's definitely a lot of nutmeg in there, and that's pretty much what you're getting in the smell. And the taste, too. Pretty strong nutmeg taste. Yeah, the nutmeg taste is, is a really different character from the last beer. The last one, the spicy and the malt kind of played odds with each other. This one, the nutmeg and the malt build on each other, it right. seems. This is a very malty beer, too, but compared it, to... It doesn't have the bitterness that uh, the Saranac had. And I think I'm getting more pumpkin flavor in the sides and sort of a little bit of the dark malty flavor in the middle of my tongue. And I'm not getting much bitterness at all. And you get a nice, full, rounded malt flavor. Mm-hmm. It has a very... I'd say wet mouthfeel. It's not particularly thick, but right. it just feels very wet on your tongue. Now you, don't, getting... you don't get too much of that cinnamon allspice that's, like I said, it's playing at odds with the mold. It's the nutmeg that's building with it. I think while the beer is in your tongue, you get some of that spice, but after you swallow it, you just you generally taste most of the malt and a little bit of a residual pumpkin as you let some air waft over your tongue. It's an interesting difference yeah. between those two beers, for sure. It's not quite as complex as a Saranac, I'd say. It just doesn't seem to... Like I said, it doesn't have that hoppiness to it, so it doesn't bring out as much extra stuff to talk about. It's really just a straightforward maltiness uh, mixed with that sort of nutmeg taste and pumpkin, a little bit of spice. Our next beer is from Dogfish Head, another one of our favorite breweries. This is the Dogfish Head... Pumpkin. Pumpkin. It's P-U-N-K-I-N with an apostrophe, I guess, like punk, because they're well, pumpkin. Yeah, it says punk here on the top label. Right. It's it's named after the pumpkin chunkin championship thing they have in Delaware. No idea. They have those trebuchets and cannons and stuff. They try oh. to shoot those pumpkins as far as they can. That's at Rehoboth Beach, I believe. And this is kind of a tribute to that. <laughs> is it pumpkin chunkin or pumpkin chunkin? Eh, whatever. Someone will correct us. Yeah. The alcohol is 7%. Bitterness of 25 IBUs. Not a terribly bitter beer. Brewed by the Dogfish Headcraft Brewery in Milton, Delaware, which started in 1995. And you can check them out at dogfish.com. This has pumpkin, cinnamon, nutmeg, brown sugar, and it's available September 1st each year. Smelling a lot of uh, cinnamon and uh, a sort of bright smell. All right. My brain's probably messing with me. On my first sip, I smelled a chocolatey type aroma. and I don't know if it's chocolate, but there's definitely a sort of a spice, cinnamon type, tart malty in there. I'm, I'm still smelling like a cocoa type, but I know there's not cocoa in this beer, but it's just something that I'm really hmm. smelling in it. I don't know. It's smelling mostly just a lot of interesting spices there. 
Wow, that's a lot of spices. It's a, definitely a lot of spices. Um, more of a pumpkin taste than the other beers, too. It's really bringing out a lot of good pumpkin flavor. The spices kind of hit you, and then the, it leaves you with some pumpkin flavor. Yeah, this is... That's an interesting spice. It's, it, all the spices are blended so closely. You really mm-hmm. can't tell what you're tasting. It's, it almost tastes like a candy. It tastes... Um, almost like a Belgian candy, in a sense. There, there's some of that sort of... that sharp Belgian sugar candiness in there. I almost had it. I, I got a flavor, and my brain was like working on it, and then it disappeared. <laughs> I almost had what I was tasting. Interesting. They recommend turkey or roasted duck with this. That might work. I mean, one of the things I was reading actually about chicken... Now they say, oh, everything tastes like chicken. Well, the reason why everything tastes like chicken is that chicken doesn't taste like anything. Okay. <laughs> uh, chicken is is, is a, a culinary blank slate, more or less. You can bring a lot of flavors into it. Okay. So it seems reasonable that a spiced beer would go well with something like chicken or turkey, which has a little bit more flavor than chicken. Uh, yeah, because... this, yeah, this beer is definitely one that would go with food. All that spices, it would just enhance some kind of meat. Mm-hmm. Uh, lamb, maybe. This would go very good with Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, it would. Just about everything on the table, the stuffing. This would go great with Thanksgiving dinner. And I think I know what I'm bringing to Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> now, I've had this before, and I liked it the first time I had it. And I didn't quite like it the second time I had it, but that was when I was drinking it with a bunch of other different beers. Okay. So I think that so far this one is making the most of an impression on me. Although, like the Saranac was really good, too. And the Post Road had its... Charms. It's almost like we're not drinking the same style beer. Because the three so far yeah. are very different for me. Simple spices, you can really pick out the cinnamon mm-hmm. and the allspice and stuff in the Saranac. I don't want to do a comparison right now. The order we're drinking them, they're getting more blended closely together, yeah. it seems, so far. Interesting. This one also has more alcohol than the others. And you get a, a slight bit of alcohol warming on it. Getting certain, certainly getting a caramel or a brown yeah. sugar flavor from this. But there is, like I say, a lot of good pumpkin flavor coming out of it, too, which the other ones tended to lack a little bit. This one has that, you know pumpkins in this beer. Oh, it's dogfish head, I'm sure. You know, I can just see Sam sitting there cutting open pumpkins and just chucking them in the <laughs> brew kettle as the thing's <laughs> boiling away. This one's available in four packs, not six packs, if you find it, in a, if you can get it. If you're lucky enough, if you're to, lucky enough to, to get six packs. Get six packs. Yeah. Oh, we need to thank Lion Brewing from Oaksbury Scranton. They sent us some samples of their 100th anniversary IPA. Oh, thank you very much. So we will save those for an IPA show, which we're going to be doing soon. But I want to thank you very much for sending us the beer. Probably in two weeks? Uh, three weeks, probably. Well, I won't be here in three weeks. Or, well, three shows. Okay. Maybe four shows. We'll see. <laughs> but we're going to do a... We got, I got some great samples of IPAs. And, of course, you can never have enough IPAs. Maybe we'll do like an eight-show eight oh, IPA series or you something. You didn't have two parts already. <laughs> this is nice. I think this beer's strong. This, I think this would go good with, like I said, Thanksgiving dinner yeah. better than anything else so far. Yeah. I think so, too. The other ones more, tend to be more of a dessert beer, I think. Certainly. And this Certainly. one is more of a... Right, a meal. so good with meat. Yeah. I am pretty excited so far tonight. <laughs> On to our last beer of the night, which is the Wild Goose Pumpkin Patch. A fall seasonal from Frederick Brewing Company, our second Frederick beer. Yeah, we did the Blue Mountain Steeple Stout. Right. The one you brought back from home. 
Which was also Frederick Brewing Company, right? Yep. Yeah. And this brewery started in 1993, annual production of 40,000 barrels, and it's at www.frederickbrewing.com. And the reason why Wild Goose and what was the other one? Brimstone Brewing was another one. Okay, Brimstone Brewing and, and Wild Goose were both bought by Frederick. Brewers Do you remember when we drank the Edenton beer, the Uncle Nuts Nut Brown? Yes. The brewer at Edenton used to work at Wild Goose until they got bought out at Frederick. Really? And then he went to work at Victory for a while, and now he started Edenton down in North Carolina. Well, I, we did like their Nut Brown, I remember. Yeah, it was a surprisingly good one, yeah. I mean, surprisingly good because we didn't know anything about the brewery at the time. And we they're still on our checklist of finding more beers to try. You know what I'm smelling here? And it doesn't surprise me because I'm reading it. I'm smelling Fuggles. And apparently this wild goose is made with Fuggle hops. Okay, I'm not smelling any hops. I'm smelling a lot of cinnamon. Well, first thing I got was was the Fuggle hops, but now it's probably more cinnamon. Or the allspice, perhaps. No, it smells mostly like cinnamon, I think. Maybe it's cinnamon. No, no, now I smell allspice, too. Okay. <laughs> the main thing I'm smelling is smelling. Spelling. A, B, C. No, the main thing I'm smelling is the allspice. Falasi <laughs> Nasi Hill Pillification. Spell that. <laughs> I can spell cat most times. Okay, this beer goes back to the beers that are unbalanced to the spicy side. The the malt doesn't stand up with it. True, but there is a, a real strong flavor of pumpkin in there, too. But it, it's really, it's hit with a lot of the spices. You're getting a lot of these spices in the back of your throat. They don't really stick to your tongue, but they stick to you sort of the top of your mouth and the back of, of your mouth. There is definitely a sort of pumpkin after flavor that's mixed in there, too. Yeah, I think the last sip I had was probably one of the best where I could isolate the pumpkin out of all the beers tonight. Mm -hmm. I was able to really taste the pumpkin in this last sip. And you know what? I think that the interesting that it shows Fuggle Hops because I, I feel that that's kind of accentuating the pumpkin. They also mentioned that it uses nine different specialty malts and 300 pounds of pumpkin to make this batch. doesn't say how big the batch size is. Most of the flavor just coming in the back of your mouth. There's really nothing coming on the tip of your tongue or anything like that. The mouthfeel is, is lighter than some of the other beers. Yeah. It's closest to the Buffalo Bill that we did in the pre-show. I agree. It has a little more mouthfeel than the Buffalo Bill. It just seems unbalanced to me. It seems like it's too spicy. There's not enough malt to tie it in to you know, balance it out. There's almost a bit of a sourness in here. Give me another sip and see if you can taste that. No, not really. Maybe it's just sort of the, the yeah, spice playing with my tongue. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what kind of sourness you're getting at. It doesn't taste old or stale or anything. It still tastes like a yeah. fresh beer. Well, just as as I'm just sort of letting the air go over my tongue, I'm tasting a, a sort of sourness on the sides. And I'm wondering if that's just sort of because of all the spices they use, which they say they use a lot of. A subtle blend of fresh ground spices. I don't think it's very subtle. Because it's right there in your no, face. it's certainly not subtle. I would say the post-road was subtle. Mm -hmm. Well, now's about the time that we make our choices. Rate the beers, yes. So let's bring out the bottles and let's see what we got. I'm trying not to bang them around too much. Okay. We have a problem with all kinds of noise and we start thumping these bottles around. <laughs> well... This is an interesting episode because there are a heck of a lot of different flavors that we got from these different beers. I think this is going to be a yes but type rating. Yeah, because 
there, it's it's hard to make a decision when the beers are this different. Uh, boy. My two main determining factors here is: Am I going to have it with a meal mm-hmm. or with dessert? Right. And if I'm having it with a meal, it has to be the dogfish head. Yes. Having it with dessert, I think it's going to be the post road. I think the post road and dogfish head are the ones that stick out the most. Is, our, is probably our two best. I think they were the most balanced beers. Yeah. The, the most complete beers. The other ones were just a little too spicy, not enough balance. And let's see, the Saranac and Saranac is probably a bit better than Wild Goose. Yes, yeah, I'd say the Saranac's better than the Wild Goose. The Saranac just seemed to have a little bit more complexity to it. Okay, so starting from the low end, since there's not a <laughs> If down there. Yeah. We'd go from Wild Goose to Saranac. Mm-hmm. And then the top two, the Post Road and the Dogfish Head, depend on what we're eating, what right. we're drinking with the beer. What if you're just having the beers by themselves? If you're just having the beers by themselves, I might even go with Saranac as the one to go with. Because it had enough, enough spice to kind of bring out some, uh, some interesting flavors without really needing anything else to kind of to, to hit it. I don't know. It's, it's an interesting question. I mean... You'd say maybe the pumpkin ale too, but the pumpkin ale, pumpkin. Oh, the pumpkin. Okay. The pumpkin. Uh, the dogfish head. I, I don't know. It, it's pretty, if it's just drinking on on its own, I would. It would be between the dogfish head and the saranac. Yeah, I asked you the question, and I'm not sure if I can give an answer to my own question. <laughs> on its own, the one I would most want to drink. I like the nutmeg in the post road. I think I'm going to have to pick that one. Okay. There you go. Uh, Well, I'm happy with your choices. Thank you. I hope you are. Yes, I can live with them. Overall, this was a fun episode, a surprising episode. An illuminating episode, you might say. I've tried several several pumpkin ales (laughs) over the past several years and have never really found anything that I liked. And tonight, the, the stars were in alignment and... These all tasted pretty good to me. So. Well, I think it's proof in the pudding that if you align your tongue to to a accepting style. The, the style, then you'll have a good time. Thank you, everyone, for listening. You can give us an email at beer at craftbeerradio.com. Call our number. 206-202-BEER. B-E-E-R. <laughs> That's how you spell beer. Very good. In this country, at least. And thanks for listening, and keep drinking the good stuff. Hi everybody, this is Jeff from the Editing Room. I didn't want to wait a whole week to tell you this, so I'm throwing this in here. Today at work I listened to the new Basic Brewing Radio with James Spencer. He interviewed a scientist who is researching flavor and taste. It was a very interesting interview. I learned a lot about flavor and taste and how everything works in your mouth. And I just wanted to mention it because I thought most of our listeners would be interested in the same thing. So if you go over to basicbrewing.com, you can find this podcast. Thanks. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. If you have any questions or comments, email us at beer at craftbeerradio.com. And feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. Our intro and closing music is Lameface by Feeble Wiener. You can find a link to Feeble Wiener on our website. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. Hey!